You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, life is not difficult. We make it difficult. Every sin that we commit, every sin we're involved with, can always go back to one root word. I fight this word in my life. It bothers me, I'm your pastor. I would think that after all these years, 50 years of preaching, I would think that I won't have this problem. I would think as a husband after all these years, I wouldn't have this problem, but I do. The way it's revealed in my life might be different than it is in your life. For example, I'm not a singer, and I know I'm not a singer. I can carry a pitch, and I think I can lead music, but I could never sing a solo. In fact, I worked for a church one time, and the pastor said to me, Brother Jack, you sang, I sang. The next day on Monday, he said, Brother Jack, while you're on staff, don't ever sing again. You're not a soloist. And guess what? He was right. I don't know if I could sing in a group. I'd be so nervous, I'd be shaking. I can sing. Well, right now, I can sing just preaching. And when I'm praying, I can just sing out, whether you like it or not. It's just, just, I could do that. But I'm not a singer. So I don't have to fight this like, wow, wow, I am God's gift. Brother Martinez can sing anything, but he doesn't fight this in his area, by the way. But all of us fight this word. I'm ashamed to tell you, pride. My pride is not how great I am, how I'm so talented. You know, my pride is not how, uh, how g- g- good this is that I get to be your, how good it is for you that I get to be. I never even studied to be a pastor. I knew I could not be one. I went to Bible college, got a four-year degree, but it was not in being a pastor. I knew I could not be a pastor. You know, that's nothing but stinking pride. God can do anything. Pride is not just always like a peacock, got your head up in the air. Look how great I am. Look how talented I am. Look how sick. Pride is also the opposite, how, how bad I am. Someone, and this happens, but someone wrote me a very unkind, cruel letter about a year ago. Just so, maybe a year and a half, just so, so and even the things he'd like to see happen to my family, just so sad. You know, that, if I'm dead to self, that shouldn't bother me. But it kept me up for nights. I was so bothered by it. That's probably pride. If I have to correct somebody or discipline somebody, uh, deal with some, something, all the employees that we have, if I have to do that, that, that keeps me up at night. Maybe it's my pride. I want to be liked. I don't know. It just, it just tears me up. That's pride. Everybody has pride. Everybody does. I don't know where your pride is, but I know that if your marriage had a husband that would humble himself before God, you could get your marriage back where it ought to be. 
It might be the wife. And if you could humble yourself, but we don't humble ourselves. We're so arrogant. Well, you know, I wasn't wrong there. I'll meet you halfway. Halfway is not getting things right. That's pride. God resisted the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. There's a boy, he grew up in a great home. His dad grew up in a great home. David was his father, a man after God's own heart. And then there's Solomon, the wisest man that lived at that particular time, and a wise man. He wrote the book of Proverbs and gave his son such great instruction. And then his son Rehoboam comes on the scene, and Rehoboam rejected everything his dad taught him. Rehoboam ran to the beat of his own drum. I don't care what the old man says. I don't care what my dad says. I don't care if I hurt my mother. I don't care if I hurt. In fact, he said when he became king, he goes, I don't care if I hurt the people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put more bondage on the people. Government's job is not to put bondage on people. It's to release them. That's what freedom is about. That's what America is about. It's not more government control. It's less government. Read the founding fathers. Read what the Constitution was based on as you read the books that they used to found America. And it was limited government constantly. We don't want the government to have much control. That's why you have separation of church and state. The Danbury Baptist in Connecticut were being sued by the government and being legislated by the government that the preachers had to register to able to preach the word of God. And then they went, and Franklin said it too, limited government. And when, the, and, and when they went against the Danbury Baptist in Connecticut, government lost because they said there's a wall of separation. It's not the church cannot penetrate the government. The government must be penetrated by the church. It says that the government cannot penetrate the church. No law against the establishment of religion. That's our heritage. Today we see this man here by the name of Rehoboam. He was a man that just had such great pride in his life. My Bible says that God, as I quoted already, James 4, 6, God resisteth the proud. He'll fight against you. You're fighting against your wife, but God says, I'm going to fight against you because you won't be humble before your wife. Humility is not stooped over. That's arthritis. Humility is not thinking low of yourself. I'm a jerk. I'm no good. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. There's nothing good about me. That's, not, that's pride too. Humility is not thinking of yourself. Whether good or bad, it's just not thinking of yourself. We live our lives for others. But God resists us when we won't humble so a man can say to a wife, oh, you're not, no, you're not, no, no, no. or a wife to a husband, well, are you? and she gripes and complains, and he gripes and complains, and then we never apologize and get it right, because I'm not going to, I'm not come, I'm not crawling back to her. She started, she's just, she, this, don't say this, she's just like her mother. You never want to say that, fellas, in life. My Bible says in the book of James 4.10, humble yourselves then. Isn't it amazing? Humble yourselves. We can do it one of two ways. We can allow ourselves to humble ourselves. 
The Bible also says in another place, humble himself. I can humble myself or God is going to humble me. A few years ago, I was riding a bicycle, and I don't do it for exercise. I just do it to get on the trail and go to the salt flats. I love praying out there. And I was riding my, and I got all done, went out there about four miles, came back about four miles, and I was coming in casually riding, praying, got off the bike, and I started going down a, a, a hill, and I said, I gotta, I gotta make a phone call. And I, I put the phone in this arm, in this hand. I put it in this hand. And I, I was going down that hill and it started to wobble and I hit that front brake. You don't want to hit the front brake. And I went flying over the handlebars and it was dirt, but not where I landed, it was concrete. And where I landed, I landed face first. And I'm there, broke a rib, cracked another one, and then had all these stitches that went in here. You know, the first thing I thought about when I, I got back home, I'm thinking, Lord, how are you trying to get my attention? Is there something in my heart? It wasn't that stupid bike. It wasn't the bike. It wasn't the trail. It wasn't the dirt. It was, who'd put a sidewalk there? It wasn't the sidewalk. It wasn't the sweet Indian lady. She came over and she saw blood everywhere because head wounds do that. And, and I said, no, no. And I, I said, I'm okay. I'm just going to go home here. And she said, you're not going to lay down. And I obeyed her. And she said, I've already got the ambulance coming. You know that whole story. That thing, that thing ticked me off. The fireman came and said, is this the older guy that hurt himself? Uh, the ambulance came and said, where's the old guy that hurt himself? They're taking me over to Kaiser Hospital and said, we think because he's an old guy, we need to take him to Stanford. On the way, they said, we're bringing this older guy to Stanford. I'm hearing all this, guys. I'm listening. I hit my head, but I've still got my ears. I'm in there, and I'm telling you, it was like a, it was, man, it was wonderful. I had all these nurses and about four doctors. They're all around, and I heard a guy in the hallway say, hey, where's the old guy that hit his head? Come on in here. I'm in here. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't see that there was sin in my life and God, but I have to always ask, Lord, is, is this, are you sending some adversity in my way to wake me up? What's the reason that I can't get along with my wife? And, and we do, as long as I obey. What, what's the reason we can't get along with our mate? That's ah, that woman. She's, she's such an obstinate thing. She said, no, 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 stop shifting the blame. God resists the proud. And he says, Jack, you humble yourself or you can go through the school of humility. And I'll take you through that school. The fear of the Lord is the getting of knowledge and uh, before honor is humility. God, hey, teenagers, God won't lift you to a position of strength and leadership until you first go through the school of humility. And you can humble yourself or you can do it through God humbling you. The Bible says, likewise, you youngers, you, you clothe yourself with humility. Humble yourselves. God forgiveth not the cry of the humble. The Bible says that God wants us to have a humble and a contrite heart. And he that humbleth himself, God shall exalt. 
There's nothing so bad in this country that could not be changed on a Sunday morning at the invitation if we'd humble ourselves. You recall in 1976, we were becoming two years, uh, 200 years of age. And across America, preachers, I think, rediscovered that verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall, what's the first one? Humble themselves. Before you go to prayer, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the earth. Before you do all that, the first, it starts with humility of heart. That I deserve, deserve nothing. And it's not about me. It's not about my show. It's not about my programming. Little woman, you shut your mouth and you listen to me. And children, you shut, shut your little mouths and listen to me. And, and, and I'm the mama here. I'm the daddy here. No, no, no. God, the Bible says, these six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven marred abomination. The first one, a proud look. That was Satan's problem. I said it five times. I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my throne. I will. He wanted people to worship him. That was Adam and Eve's uh, sin, pride. No, no, uh, we, we don't have to obey God. We'll do what we want to do. That was their son's sin because their son said, I don't like my brother. I'm going to kill him. And he killed him. And we had murder right in the beginning of the Bible. Why? All because of pride. Every sin in the Bible, it is rooted in pride. Every sin in my life is rooted in pride. Say, well, I don't have it. Well, then you don't understand the Bible. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Every one of us have a sin that can easily, quickly derail us. It might be negativity. It might be discouragement. It might be a uh, 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 desire for money. It might not be a desire for notoriety or to be seen. It might be uh, some other type of sin that you can mention in, in your life. It might be envy. It might be strife. It might be jealousy. It might be sedition. It might be debate. But God says those things, those sins are all rooted in pride. You say, Pastor, what can I do for you? These days, pray that I would humble myself. Pray I'd walk humbly before God. I was in my study early this morning. I looked at that picture of my dear friend, Brother Bobby Robertson. I think he was 86 or 87 when he passed away. And about 85 or 6, he was preaching behind this pulpit. But many years before that, I was preaching in his church. He pastored the same church 62 years, largest bus ministry in America. Amazing man of God out in the tobacco fields of North Carolina, and he, he pastored right where he grew up, right there, for 62 years. And Brother Bobby, I was preaching a revival at his church years ago, 30 years ago, and after the invitation, he was closing the service. He said, now, Lord, and I have them scattered everywhere. It's in this study, in this ready room. It's in the ready room in the auditorium chapel. It's in my office. Everywhere you go, I've given it out. Well, and he said, Lord, help us to be real. Help us to confess our sins and help us to walk humbly before you. I'll never forget when I was in the auditorium after preaching, I took a three by five card out. I wrote down, help us to be real. Help us to confess our sins. Help us to walk humbly. I'll never forget, I told the church on Sunday night, I came back, I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, I said, I'm preaching a prayer of Bobby Robertson. It's taken me no study. And I don't approach preaching that way. It's taking me prayer. But he said, he, here's the ingredients how to have a good life. 
And you know, I stood there at his funeral and participated with some preachers in North Carolina. And, and, and I saw that body of that great man of God laying there. I saw his parking stall where they had flowers uh, erected at pastors and pastors parking stall. And it was empty. I saw that hearse that was out front. And I saw as they walked upon that huge property of theirs and out to their cemetery and laid him to rest next to his wife. I thought, here's a man that walked humbly before God. He had an eighth grade education. He'd get his tenses mixed up a lot of times and he'd always say the word once or twice. Things of that nature. Yet his building was this building we copied. I took a picture of his and, and I said, I want a building that looks just like this on the outside with a steeple. I want a building that's just like this in different colors, but just, just like this. And it was packed with brilliant people and doctors and lawyers and nurses and business people, airline pilots, you name it, just packed. And here he's a man with an eighth grade education. And he get his English sometimes mixed up, but he had the power of God on his life. And he walked humbly before God. This nation's cried out for a pastor that would be humble. And staff that would be humble and deacons and choir people and church members and politicians that would humble before God. Yes, amen. It's easy to find fault in everybody else. I, I read it a an article of a congresswoman that said as she didn't agree with some decision of the Supreme Court, she, and she said that it hurt me that she would be so vile, but so pride. She said, I hope they all go to H-E-L-L. How could you wish hell on anybody? How could you speak so wicked as a leader? Oh, pride, God resists pride. God hates pride. I want you to see this text that's before us, and I know I'm about out of time. We're just getting to it right now. I want to take this look at humility. What was he so proud about? He was proud of his abilities. Came to pass when Rehoboam established the kingdom and strengthened himself. It's established, it's strengthened. It's, it's, a, it's a very powerful a very, very powerful country now. I, got a, I had this ability. Look, look what I did over these last several years of my reign. Look, look what I can accomplish. Put no confidence in the flesh. Don't think how great and how talented you are. Don't think how bad you are. Just don't think about yourself. Improve where you can, but always humble yourself in the sight of God. Good to ask yourself a question, Lord, did I today walk humbly before you? I try to at nighttime. Did I walk humbly before you today? Or was I offended easily? Was I hurt, wounded easily? Did I think I was taken advantage of easily? I think of that Bobby Robertson I was telling you about. Brother Bobby, I was in his car, and I've told you this before. We were at a gas station late after one of the meetings that night. We had gone to McDonald's to eat something. Thought we were going to go to a nice restaurant. He goes, let's go over to McDonald's, Brother Traber. McDonald's, you've got to be kidding. McDonald's, yeah, I like their fries. Well, their fries are good. 
said, we got a hamburger over there. Oh, oh, oh. Well, we went. We ate inside, and then we got in the car. We said, I got to get some gasoline up here. There's this station up in the corner. We stopped, and this guy comes walking. I mean, you talk about a rip-off artist. I was in the car. I was listening. He said, yes, sir. He goes, you look like a preacher. He goes, well, I am. He said, my, my family, we're, we're on our way to Atlanta, and someone stole our money. <laughs> Rip off coming. And then they said, you know, we just need one tank of gasoline. Could you help with a tank of gasoline tonight? We're on empty. Can't get there. Got to drive through the night. Can't help us. I thought, oh, Bobby, he's ripping you off, buddy. What are you doing? And he goes, sure, I'll, I'll fill your car up. And he walked over there, put his credit card in. I said, you know you just got ripped off, right? He goes, probably. I said, did you have the church pay for it? Is that a church credit card? He goes, oh, no. No, no, that was my own. I said, why? And he goes, because they think I get ripped off all the time. If I have to, business office have to check this, they, they, they know I'm suckered in. He goes, I think he probably was stealing. But I saw those little kids in the car. And I thought those little kids, maybe on the side of the road tonight waiting, maybe, maybe there was some truth. There's a man that walked humbly before God. I don't believe in helping somebody. Uh, the Bible says that if a man won't work, he should not eat. I don't believe in giving money so a guy can go buy drugs. Absolutely, I'm, I'm compounding his problem. Or liquor, I'm compounding his problem. This man has so much, so much confidence in his ability. Look what I've, I've strengthened myself. And look what I've accomplished here. Anything we accomplish in life, it's all the grace of God. Yeah, we're proud. We have, look at my business I built. Oh, but I've pastored a long time. I watch eventually most businesses fail. Well, look at my perfect family I rest, ra raised. Uh, yeah, but I've seen a lot of perfect families break the hearts of parents, most families, and grandparents. I had a sweet grandmother write to me this past week said, I'm so sorry. I heard what my grandson did. I'm just so sorry, Brother Treber, that you had to face that. Here he had such strength in his own abilities. He had confidence in his flesh. Look what happened when you get proud. You attack, you attack the Bible, not only your own abilities, but then watch the attack. Verse 1, the latter part, and it came to pass when Rehoboam established the kingdom. He strengthened himself. He forsook the law of the Lord. I don't need that Bible. It's an old book. That old book. I've got my abilities. I've got, I don't need. I love the old Bible. America ought to get back to the Bible. Our homes back to the Bible. Our lives back to the Bible. I must hasten. Not only did I see his abilities, he, he has his confidence in his attack on the Bible, our dependence on the Word of God, or the lack thereof is an indicator of our pride. 
When we think I can live my life without the Bible, that's the height of pride. It's a light under my path. It's a, it, it is a guide to my life. It corrects me when I'm wrong. It, it chides me. Holy Bible, book divine, precious treasure, thou art mine. Mine to chide me when I rove and mine to teach me what I am. You know, you're home. If you just got, sure, back to the Bible. Back to the Bible. Every pastor must feel this way. I feel like a pastor, the greatest church in the world at this moment. And I thought of you knowing where I was going with this this week. I thought about what you do. Our people generally start to get up in the morning at 2.30 and 3 and 3.30 and 4, getting ready to go to work at 5 or 5.30 or 6. And you never advertise it, but I know. I've talked to you enough. The vast majority of this church gets up, and before heading off into the day, they open a Bible, men and women and children and teenagers. And they open up the Bible every day of their life. And they read from the Word of God. You know, for a pastor, what a thrill that is to have a people that are hungry for the Bible. God keeps showering down his blessing on this church so many times in the last 47 years. I wonder if it's because of God's people that love his Bible. We're not trying to rewrite it, redefine it. We're not trying to preach for the person why it's not true or why separation is not a Bible doctrine. We just keep trying to obey the Bible. I wonder what it must look like in heaven when God looks at all the little five-year-olds and six- and seven-year-olds that now read, and he sees them open up their Bible and read one verse in the morning. That has to be a thrill for heaven. Look at those little children. Mom and Daddy have taught them something. We have the most amazing youth group. I believe our kids, by and large, are learning to read the Bible daily. He had strength in his own abilities. That shows pride. He attacked the word of God. That shows pride. I want you to see his adversary. Verse 2. And it came to pass in the year that King Rehoboam, Shishak, the king of Egypt, came because they had transgressed against the Lord. You, you transgress against me, God says, okay. They're coming to a foreign enemy to get you back in. Look at verse 5. The latter part, ye have forsaken me, and I also have left you in the land of Shishak. Your pride, hey, Rehoboam, your pride got you under judgment from another country, Egypt. God will send adversaries in our life. Sometimes the adversary, 2 Corinthians, is for his glory. A thorn in the flesh to glorify God with my thorn in the flesh. Sometimes and many times it's to get us back corrected. To get us back on. I don't know what it is in your life that you're facing physically, mentally, financially. It could be a God-sent miracle that God's trying to do something in your life to strengthen you for the next part of the journey. It could be that God's trying to get your attention. You're rebelling against me. You're, you're having pride govern your life. I must hasten. 
I want you to see number four. And so not only do we find here, and, and, and you find that he had strength in his own abilities, and he attacked the Word of God, and he had adversaries analyze when obstacles come. But watch how his attitude changed. Verse 6, Wherefore the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shimei, saying, They have humbled themselves. Therefore I will not destroy them. I will grant them. You said, mm-hmm, when he read that. <laughs> I thought he, he listened to that one. I will grant them, what's the next word? Some deliverance. Maybe, Jacob, because you wrestled with me all night, God says in Genesis 32, your pride, you would not humble all night long, you wrestle with me. Jacob, I'm going to leave you a permanent reminder. Jacob, the remainder of your life, you're going to walk with a limp, and that limp is going to be a reminder that you fought against God because of your pride. I read an article 45 years ago about a man who was swallowed by a whale. It wasn't Jonah. And somehow he lived, and, but when he was spit out, almost 1850-some, they said that, that similar to Jonah, but the remainder of his life because of the gastric juices, he was yellow. And so everywhere he went in town, it had to be, there's the yellow man. His skin was bleached. There's the, God, God kept a reminder. This scar, and then a year later, this scar on a scooter, playing tag, this time not with concrete, but the asphalt on the road. They call me now Scarface. I've got them everywhere. My first one came right down here. This is all stitched up. I was four years of old age and took my dad's razor and tried to shave. Well, I had to have that stitched up. And I then cut myself here and here. And then these things. And so we just called myself Scarface all the time. You know what they are? They're reminders to me. I have so many reminders in my life. I think some are for the glory of God. I think some are because I was just too stubborn to humble myself before God. Some wounds and some hurts because of me. I, I see that here's a man, his attitude changed. David said, after he committed adultery, my sin is ever before me. So there is a reminder. But let's close her down today for the sake of time. Look at his arrogance again. Verse 12, and when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him, that he would not destroy him altogether, and in Judah things went well. And so King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem, and reign. Rehoboam was one and 40 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. Verse 14. Help me with this word in a moment. He did 
He did evil because he prepared not his heart. He died and went back to that arrogant way. Went back to that prideful way. He humbled for a season. I got to get us out of this jam. Don't humble yourself for a season. I, I've got to get my wife back. I've got to get my husband back. I've got to put my marriage back together. I've got to be a better dad. I've got to be a better mother. I've got to be a better son, better daughter. Don't humble for a season. Some of your dads are way out of bounds. Way out of bounds, the way they treat you. Way out, I'm, not, I'm not talking about crimes right now, but something way out of bounds. They're, they're, they're angry. They're mad. They, they yell. They scream. Uh, sometimes they're maybe too forceful. I wonder, son, I wonder, daughter, I wonder if you could rescue your dad. Your dad or your mother, whoever I'm talking about, probably suffering from guilt right now. I wonder if you could rescue your dad. Or rescue your mother. And humble yourself before God. Say, please, dear God, my dad's out of control. He's wrong. My mother's out of control. But God, I love him. That's my mother. That's my father. And if I'm going to go forward in my life, maybe I need to forgive my dad. And maybe, dad, let's start again. You don't know how difficult it is to be a dad when you're a dad. I see that pretty sweet little girl sitting next to her, cousin, her husband right there. They're, they're cute little beautiful five children. And her testimony in our bulletin this morning was asked to write about the bus ministry. And 30 some years ago, the bus picked her up from a single home. Never knew a dad. And yet she's a godly bus captain with her husband who's the, the captain and driver on the same streets where she grew up. And now five, those children are just amazing. I love those kids so much. Bitter as much she can be bitter as much as she wants to it. Mother and or dad that died, all those things, all those things. But, but she, she said, I'm not going to spend my life for that. I'm going to humble myself before God, and God is using her today. Her brother, this older, had the same experience, and it wasn't a good situation, but for about 20-some years, he's been a preacher of the gospel, graduate of our Christian school, graduate of our college, graduate of husband of, I think, five kids, and, and one of his daughters just got married, and, and he's serving God in Illinois as a preacher. God could use you mightily if we just humble ourselves cannot exalt ourselves. He must increase, John 3.30. I must decrease. Today as we close, I, you see, you've been saying that three times, I know, but the fourth time's a charm. Pride reveals herself when we're so opinionated. Opinionated people are proud people. Well, no, no, that's just the way I am. No, that's pride. You always it's always your opinion, and you always know more than the next guy. That's tiresome. Opinionated people are proud people. Self-willed people are, are proud, prideful people. I'm always right attitude. That's a pride. Never, I'm not going to pause. Nope, nope. Victim mentality, that's all pride. Ungrateful and unforgiving and and the opposite, feeling so, I'm worthless, I'm no good. 
That's putting something back on yourself so that you can justify your pride. Humility is not thinking high or not thinking low of yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself. Instead, it's others, Lord. Yes, others, let this mind. I want to live for my mate. I want to live for my children. I want to live for my parents. I want to live for my Lord. Today, you're going to have to make a decision. I must make a decision. God's going to resist us. He'll resist us, starting with the pastor. And he'll resist you if we govern our life from pride. Oh, you're maybe sitting with your mate today, but maybe you ought to say, honey, I'm so full of pride. I've not been a good husband. But today, by the grace of God, I'm going to get this thing under control. I'm going to give it to God. Be careful of exalting yourself. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.